Welcome to the Launchpad Jamf Admin Podcast hosted by Rocketman, where we keep you on the cutting edge of what's happening in the world of Apple and Jamf administration. Starting with the Launchpad Times, we bring your Apple and Jamf news down to earth and then go into a keynote where we take a deep dive into a relevant topic. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Launchpad Virtual Mac Admin Meetup. Um, for all of our new attendees, I'll give you a brief agenda. We'll start with the Gravity Times, where we bring your Apple news and rumors down to earth. Um, this is a segment where we're going to go through all of the latest updates that we've seen. But this meetup, along with uh, parts of the keynote, we try and keep it very collaborative. So if we're missing something, if there's another update that we somehow didn't mention that you'd like to talk about, we definitely encourage you know, raising your hand, hopping in here, throwing it into, into the chat, whatever you're comfortable with. Following the Gravity Times, we will move into Chad Lawson's presentation on shell games or why Jamf admins should switch to Z Shell. Um, in every Launchpad meetup, we do a relevant keynote or what we think is relevant. Um, and again, I'm sure Chad, Chad will be driving that operation, but I'm sure if you have any sort of input, deep dives, rabbit holes you'd like to go down, we encourage going down the rabbit holes. So thank you everyone for attending. Um, I will go ahead and kick it over to Chris to start with the Gravity Times as we all see on our screen. Um, but yes, feel free to make this collaborative, throw in any, any jokes if you have any, I'm a big fan of that. We try and keep it fun, we try and keep it relevant um, and we try to keep it timely. So with that, Chris Shazi. Cool, thank you so much, Eric. Uh, so this is the Gravity Times, where your news is always down to earth. We're going to go over the latest Apple and Jamf updates. And let's start with the Apple updates. Um, so here are the latest versions as of today. It looks like I, the second Mac OS I kind of misspelled. Um, but what are the updates we've seen? Well, the biggest thing I wanted to point out is that we have new MacBook Pros. Um, so yes, if you just purchased a MacBook Pro, it is now out of date and you're not cool anymore. So they seem to keep upping how fast they're coming out with the newest versions. And you're like, oh man, I wish I didn't buy that M1 MacBook Pro now. Now it's M2s. Um, has anyone had any experiences with these new M2 MacBook Pros or even uh, the M2 MacBook Airs that were out earlier? Yeah, I've got both of them. I mean nothing really different outside yeah. of a small iteration on the process node, so. Cool. Anyone have any issues that they've noticed? Awesome, awesome. Looks like we're seeing um, a lot of believers in the chat. So far, all positive. I, I don't understand, Bruce. How can you have a computer still in the box? That's just foreign to me. I usually have those type of things open before I get to the car. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. Um, and then any additional Apple updates that anyone has? Um, I, I We personally haven't seen anything with the new OSs that came out. Um, I think we're on 13.2 right now. On, on Ventura, um, but has, that, has anyone seen anything or any rumors they want to talk about? Perfect. We are going to move forward um, and talk about Jamf updates. So we're on 10, um, actually 
it's a 1043.1 right now. Um, and if you're if you're a Jamf cloud hosted customer, you may, may not have seen this update happen yet. It should be happening sometime today or tomorrow. Uh, first thing I want to point out is the hotfix, which is why they delayed this update a little bit. You'll see this a lot from Jamf, where they will push out um, they'll they'll push out the 10.43 update, but they won't push it all to Jamf Cloud. It's only for the locally hosted servers, and they give it about a week. And every once in a while, they'll have a hot fix, and then they usually push it back another week before they update so they can update everyone to the hot fix. Uh, so this hot fix um, is this PI right here. Essentially, it was sending a looping install profile command uh, to any computers with the Jamf uh, Protect profile scope to it. So it was just installing it multiple times. Well, probably wasn't creating huge issues. That's something they wanted to fix from the get-go. Uh, was anyone experiencing anything like this? Perfect. Uh, so let's move on to talk about the features of 10.43. First is managed login items. Um, so this is, uh, so in Ventura, we all noticed this when, when the betas first came out, is the users had the ability to turn off certain login items. Luckily, Apple fixed that before Ventura came out and allowed us to at least be able to um, disable that for like the Jamf agent, which is a login item on the computer and then several other ones. Um, but now we can push manage login items via configuration profile. So if you have other login items that you wanna control and make sure that the user can't turn that off, then um, you can disable that for the users and well, or I should say, force it to be enabled, um, disable them from disabling it. Uh, another thing we're seeing is conditional access improvements. Um, so a couple things happening. One is the process name isn't called Jamf AAD anymore. It's now Jamf conditional access, which just looks a lot better if someone's looking in and seeing what the process name is. Um, we're also seeing improvements for WK WebView and Web Auth. Uh, the biggest thing I think is for WK WebView, uh, which is what, what a lot of us are using these days. And it makes sure that the instructions are actually on top of the sign-in window. Because what happens is those instructions pop up and then the sign-in window pops up right in front of it. So then people don't see the instructions. So now it's gonna be on top, um, which is hopefully gonna be a lot better. Um, Still has the same number of logins though, which is like, I don't know, three to five or something. <laughs> Seems like a lot of logins you have to go through in order to do conditional access. Um, one other thing I've seen is the device compliance enhancements. Now this isn't something I've fooled around with yet. Um, so if anyone has any information about this, feel free to speak up. But essentially uh, they, it's device compliance is similar to conditional access, but historically it's only been for the iOS side, but now they seem to be bringing it over to the macOS side. Uh, however, Jamf has a note in here saying that they don't have a workflow yet to transition someone from conditional access for macOS over to device compliance for macOS. Uh, but from what it seems like, it's a much simpler workflow for the from the end user perspective. And on the iOS side, at least, it only took one login. So you didn't need to log in those multiple times. I'm not sure what it's gonna look like on the macOS side. We haven't been able to test this out yet. Um, but does anyone have experience or more points they wanna give about this? 
Cool. Sounds like everyone's at the same spot we are. Um, we're hoping to test this out soon so we can show you what it looks like, but this might be a replacement for the older conditional access. Um, and then we also have exporting recovery keys. This is kind of cool. Um, you're able to export all your recovery keys through a GUI search. And yes, for Chad's, for all the Chad's out there, you can also do it through the API. Um, the one thing I've noticed you can't do though is import the recovery keys. I'm guessing that's gonna come in a future release. Um, I think just because they came out with it now, they only have the git command and not the put command, but hopefully in the future, they'll get that. Um, that's everything we saw for 10.43 that we wanted to point out as important updates. Uh, did we miss anything? Is there anything else that anyone else wanted to point out? Um, larger crowd here, I wanted to ask regarding managed login items. Uh, did they actually introduce a payload, GUI payload in the web interface for managing that? Or is it still a custom profile you have to upload? It's a, it's a inside the GUI. At least, honestly, I haven't actually looked at 10.43 yet because none of our servers have been updated. Okay. We should really start uh, getting a beta for Jamf so we can talk about that more. But yeah, yeah I, I mean, that's what we were doing in the past as we were uploading the profiles. So I imagine that this is going to be a new payload inside of Jamf Pro to manage that. Yeah, just want to ask because I had Perfect. to craft outside of it upload. So the fact that there's a GUI now is awesome. Yeah. So, and then Dan also confirmed that, yes, it's going to be showed in the GUI. Is that good, that, do you know if that's going to take care of the, um, all the notifications too, when they go from a previous OS to Venture and they get like a page of notifications about all the managed all, or all the login items? Yeah, from my understanding, it wouldn't do that. It just allows you to be able to manage other items besides Jamf, but please uh, speak up if I'm incorrect about that. No, that's correct. Yeah, and I think that's one of those fixes that's not, at least in the short term, going to be a recommended fix because uh, you kind of want your users to have those notifications. You really just don't want them to have them for the payloads that we're deploying, right? And uh, the fixes I've seen out there have been to actually shut off all those notifications, even if someone was maliciously trying to get into their computer. Um, so if anyone knows one that allows you to turn it off just for specifically the Jamf agent and maybe any other agents that you're deploying like CrowdStrike or McAfee or something like that, uh, please share with the group. But Cool. I'm moving forward then. Uh, anyone else have anything before I do? Awesome, awesome. Uh, and then lastly, this is a segment of the Gravity Times. We like to talk through any feature requests that we have. Uh, so feel free to drop into the chat any feature requests that you have or are interested in getting upvoted because we have. I, <clears throat> I appreciate how ready Dan was with his feature request. We already have a feature request in the chat. Chris barely got through the first syllable of feature request before is out there. Dan, we, we love to see that. Nice work. Uh, Dan, feel free to speak up if you want to explain this feature request or throw it in the chat.
yeah i think that's about the notification that we're talking about and that would be awesome so i will definitely upvote it um and anyone else if they want to upvote it as well that'd be great With utilizing that. the power of the hive all right thank you christopher for taking our apple news and rumors and bringing them down to earth Next up for the Launchpad Virtual Mac Admin Meetup, we have the illustrious Chad Lawson presenting the keynote. Chad, I'm gonna go ahead and spotlight you. Chad is, among many other things, a maker, tinkerer, a mentor, beagle dad, human husband, but at Rocketman, he is our DevOps engineer with a deep, deep bag of tricks, engineering expertise, scripting guru, background. Um, and so Chad will be presenting why Jamf admins should switch to Z shell or shell games. Chad, the floor is yours. Thank you very much, Eric. Um, I considered if you've ever seen any of my presentations before, I love to incorporate magic in and I consider doing uh, bringing in some bit of, of shell game magic, but uh, quite frankly, I'm not that talented. So instead, I decided I would open with a story. Uh, and for this, we're going to need to set the Wayback Machine to the year 2000, specifically the Internet Wayback Machine. If you've ever played around with that site, um, uh, what is the Internet Archive or but the Wayback Machine, setting it to the year 2000 in a website called Vegas.com. Uh, this is spring of 2000. This is the way the web page looked spring of 2000. I think it was like March uh, for this particular screenshot. Um, I was getting ready for my third trip to Vegas uh, during close to spring break. And um, I had this very uh, unsurprisingly nerdy idea. If you look toward the bottom half, you'll see the link for webcams. Well, if you follow over to the webcams page, they had two webcams, uh, one at the Hard Rock uh, Hotel where you could pan, tilt, and zoom and control a camera to look around the poolside. Needless to say, that one was um, always being used um, and somewhat creepy. But the the one that I was uh, interested in was the Imperial Palace, which is somewhere right around the middle of the Strip. And that particular camera could look out um, north or south down the strip, look out uh, directly across to Caesar's Palace. Um, but I had this idea in my head by looking at the control page for that camera that everything I needed to control that camera could be done with a script. I could write a script to control the camera, go to a X, Y, and Z that I knew take a picture and using the live postcard feature you see there, um, send myself that picture. So uh, I got all this set up and ready to go, created, created the script to, to control the camera, to parse the resulting HTML, save, the, uh, save out the, the image in question, and then append that to an existing HTML page. So then fast forward a few weeks and I am standing across the street from the street from the Imperial Palace with uh, a Nextel phone connected through a data link cable to a Palm Pilot Series 5. And with that particular combination, I took an internet selfie. And yes, that is me in 2000. 
<laughs> I'm so glad Eric is muted right now. Uh, and now you might wonder, okay, this is great and all, and yeah, you did that with scripting, but why is this particular picture relevant to this topic? It's because the shirt that I am wearing states that I am a born-again believer. Yes, I have been bash scripting and somewhat obsessive with this uh, for over 23 years. I bought that shirt in 1998, I believe. And with all that, uh, I am still here telling you it is time for us as Jamf admins to switch to Z Shell. Uh, to give you a little bit of uh, history and context for this, um, we all know that very recently, Apple changed the default shell. Um, there's a number of the different shells available on Mac OS. And until recently, there were also other interpreters like Python and Perl and Ruby. Uh, most of those have been have gone the way of the dodo. Um, but I thought it might be fun to take a little bit of a walk down memory lane. So starting here with where we are, it's not that far back to get to the point that Apple changed to Z shell as the default. That was just 10.15 Catalina. Hopefully, since this is recorded, I got those both of those right. But if we take and go all the way back, all the way back to 10.3, that is when Bash first became the default shell. Um, uh, but <laughs> at the risk of dating myself slightly, I remember a time when from 10.0 to 10.2, or 10.0 through 10.2, TC shell was the default shell. Um, and just as a, a uh, interesting side note, um, I was surprised to find out that Bash didn't actually get, I didn't know Bash was added until it became the default shell, but it turns out it was added at 10.1. Uh, yeah, nobody cares. Uh, <laughs> so, okay, great. Why would Apple make this change? If, if Bash had been the default for all of these years, why would Apple considering changing Bash to Z shell? Well, if you, if you do a looking online, um, even some of the more reputable sites, there are two main theories. One uh, is shell shock. If you're not familiar with it, shell shock was a series of exploits. It was a vulnerability found in the bash shell that dated all the way back to version one of bash, somewhere within the one series, like 105 or something. I'm making up that number. But it meant that um, a properly formatted shell message could give the person elevated and take control of a computer. Now, at this particular moment, when, when Shellshock was discovered, every single Mac was potentially vulnerable to it. Now, there were remote exploits and there were local exploits. Like the, the, the remote exploit for a Mac required you either having a web server running on your Mac, which very few people did, or having gone into the sharing settings and turned on remote login and enabling guest access for sharing, which I don't know anybody that did. Uh, I worked with a lot of schools that like to flip switches and turn everything on, but I never ran into a situation where um, those two conditions, one of those two conditions was on and that particular IP address was accessible through the internet. But if you may also remember around this time, um, Gatekeeper wasn't on by default. And so anybody with that received a, a 
a, a particular junk piece of code from a malicious site could then suddenly have control, uh, either remote control of your machine or more likely turn your machine into a bot for nefarious purposes. Now, when that came out, Apple had a fix out very quickly. Um, while it was extremely scary in its scope, it didn't affect that many Macs. It didn't in the long run. Um, but a lot of people think that since it was shortly after that, that Apple made the change, that was the reason. But I think the more credible reason was that Bash 3, the shell that you can still find on your Mac right now, Bash 3 was under the GPL version 2 license, which was very friendly to developers of all shapes and sizes. Bash 4, um, which is where a lot of the the progress has really come, was released under GPL v3. And it was described as extremely corporate hostile. Um, the Some of the vaguely written rules made it sound as though if you used any piece of GPL3, then suddenly you had to release all of your code public. There was, it was, there was a particular clause that was described in the media as the anti-Microsoft clause. Um, even uh, Linus Torvalds, the creator of Linux, refused to update Linux to GPL3. Uh, he felt that it was not, it was too restrictive and was counter to what was supposed to be going on. And as we know, Apple does like to keep things at least friendly to themselves, uh, if not 100% open to the world. So I think this is probably the more likely reason that that Apple made the switch. They wanted a shell that was in active development and could be incorporated in Mac OS um, without, without having to change too many things uh, from a legal standpoint. Um, all right, that's great. Why should Jamf admin switch? Well, I mean, if you look at, at everything going on in Z Shell and the way it has taken off in the last few years, there's all this particular um, uh, stuff going on for it. But but let's just let's just take a look at at. Z shell on my Mac, as it stands when I developed these slides, was running 5.8.1. The latest release that is out on the internet is 5.9. Uh, so that puts us pretty up to date with when Ventura came out, Z shell was the most recent version. Uh, to contrast that, Bash, the version on my computer, uh, 3.257, the last one under GPL 2. Uh, whereas the latest release is now 5.2, two whole major releases forward. And a lot of what I'm going to be showing you today in Z Shell, these, these enhancements and the reasons I think it's worth making the upgrade uh, do exist within Bash 4 and 5. Now, you could simply update your computers to Bash 4 or 5, but the reason we're I'm talking about this from a standpoint of why would Jamf admins want to make this change is what we're doing is we're not just sitting in front of each and every single one of our computers and, and running at the terminal. We're running typically policy-driven shell scripts, and we want to make sure that these scripts that we write will run on every single computer we need to manage. And just uh, by the way, in case you're thinking, well, that's fine. Of course, Apple's not going to keep Bash up to date. It's no longer their default shell. Why would they care about anything that's not their default shell? Um, the version of TC shell that is on my computer uh, is as up to date as was when Ventura released. So Apple is still even keeping TC shell up to date. 
Um, so just to kind of give you a hint that, yeah, Bash is not getting brought up anytime soon. Well, okay, great. Why would I want, why would I care? But if you look at everything that's going on in the Z shell community, there's all of this particular information. There's right. Right. I came here not to talk about all the why Z shell is, is pretty and wonderful and magnificent as a day-to-day -day shell, but why should Jamf admins change? Well, I really have two main tricks up my sleeve, if you will. Uh, first and foremost, we now have real arrays. If you've ever done any sort of uh, array attempting to create like a list of things within a shell script, you know that it can be a little difficult to fight at times. Um, so instead of just having to have some uh, internal field separator trick going on, no, we have real arrays in Z shell, the Z shell that we have on our Macs right now. To show you what I'm talking about, I was trying to find a particular block of code that I had within one of our scripts to show this, <laughs> but I came up with the realization of putting these slides together. I have been so frustrated with trying to force strings into arrays within Bash that I have completely done away with the practice. So I don't have a lot of real world examples of this, um, but here's, here's an example uh, that I was able to kind of cobble together. I think it's pretty representative representative. You pull information from some source and you assign it to a variable, whether that be pulling down a list of buildings and departments from the API and putting it into uh, a list that I can then display. Sometimes the any particular line, any particular element within the array has one word. Sometimes it has more than one word. How do you separate out each particular element? Um, bash by default, its internal field separator is white space. Um, so running this code as it is, you wind up with a mess like this. Each word, not each line, each word becomes its own line. And that's not what I want. Whereas I want to show a comparable bit of code in Z shell. You'll notice at the top, I've changed my shebang line. But the main change here is this line here, line 10. I am recasting my string as an array. The outer parentheses you see uh, are, what are what tell Z shell interpret this as an array. And the inner parenthesis, the F, that F is a variable flag that tells Z shell to interpret this uh, based on specifically using white space, not, or sorry, using um, line ends. So either a new line, a carriage return, or both. And so now when I run this code, I get the expected output I want. And this, I'm already now, I'm, I'm in the, I've been in the process over the last couple of months since Ventura came out of uh, taking a look at all of our, our main scripts and how well do they fare um, in Ventura to make sure that they're all compatible. And while I haven't run into any particular problems, I have started moving things to Z shell. And this is this, this right here has opened up so many possibilities. I have completely gone away from uh, some of the easier tricks that I've had up my sleeve because I could never quite get arrays working the way I wanted. Now it's, as you see, ridiculously easy. Another, um, another particular trick 
is what's called an associative array, um, sometimes known as a hash or a dictionary. But it's the idea of having, if I create an array to define a person, um, I might use the key value pair of name, Chad, hair, spiky, uh, age. <laughs> and I could now then say that the, the variable person uh, has the key value pair of name and Chad. Well, I don't have that in bash, in bash three. I do have it in bash four, but I don't have bash four on my Macs. And I'm not about to push bash four out to all my computers just so I can use this feature when I already have a tool, I have Z shell that is the default shell on my Mac and I can already do what I want. So here's a block of code from one of our scripts that I've that I've recently given an overhaul. And you can see uh, throughout this, this section exists toward the top. And I'm just grabbing all of that internal input from the bash, excuse me, from the Jamf policy parameters. And I'm doing comparisons to, I'm setting a default, comparing it to the value it has there. And I'm I'm a little as as I Chris might not say it to my face, but anal in my documentation, so this might be somewhat readable. But let me compare this to doing this with an associative array in Z shell. At a glance, anyone looking at this knows what this is for. They know that this is my all of my configuration variables for my script. They know what the defaults are. They know what the key value pairs are. And when I look down the script, you know exactly what this particular variable is for and where it came from. So this is another thing that is changing the way I think uh, about writing Jamf policy scripts to be able to have separate my variables that come from parameters versus my, my derived uh, variables within my script. All right. so. If by any chance I've I've convinced you that this is something you want to start playing around with, what would you need to do to make this happen? Well, first and foremost, go into your scripts, and at the very top, you'll find the shebang line. Yes, that's what it's called. The hash bang slash bin slash bash as it's set on my shirt, and simply change it to Z shell. And for 90% of your shell scripts, this is all you're going to need. Uh, in fact, there's only a few places that you're going to run into problems. And it took me a little while to find a particular example of this. Um, I mentioned earlier that I had kind of given up on using arrays with an early bash because they were unwieldy. Well, um, bash takes its cues, both bash and Z shell derived from the original born shell. Bash stands for born again shell. Um, they both came, they were both within a couple of months uh, Born shell had become completely stagnant. Um, it wasn't going anywhere. And the Richard Stallman, Richard Stallman? Stallman uh, uh, didn't like the progress is being made. And these two developers came forward to create um, shells. Well, the bash shell tends to follow C shell and specifically the C programming language methodology, which means that if you create an array um, of N elements, you index the array from zero to N minus one. I have eight elements. I start at zero and I go up to element seven is my last element. Well, Z shell comes from the corn shell and follows some of the other uh, philosophies that are meant to be 
that are not made, meant to emulate that low-level programming language. They're meant to be more higher-level programming. So writing the exact same block in Z shell, I start at one and I go to the last element. Now it's one of those little things, but this is this is what broke when I tried switching over to Z shell. This is the only script, Knockwood, this is the only script in my repertoire that broke um, when I switched from bash to Z shell. Everything else as I've been doing tweaks has just gotten easier. Um, okay. Maybe, maybe you're convinced, maybe you're ready to go on and say, you know what, I'm ready. How can I possibly learn more about this? Well, I'll start with Dr. Google, right? Hit Google, you'll find a lot of good answers. But as usual, for any one of my presentations, um, I will be putting all this together into a blog post. It isn't finished yet because um, I'm, as you can see, I'm currently on the road, as is the entire Rocketman team. Um, but I will be putting together notes and putting them into a blog post. So everything you found here and all of the sources from which I have uh, found these answers uh, should be available to you. And I will also put those same resources once this gets brought up onto YouTube, they'll be in the description. But if you really wanna get started right now, uh, you, if you haven't found the website scriptingosx.com by Armin Briegel, he is uh, a brilliant man, a wonderful presenter. He is presented at Mac Admins. He's presented just this last year at JNUC on, on interfacing the Jamf API with Swift. And quite frankly, he has a many, 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 many blog post series on moving over to Z Shell. And I wish wish I had found his information sooner, both in terms of putting this presentation together, but also in my own exploration of Seashell, because I'm not being, this isn't hyperbole, Armin literally wrote the book on moving to Seashell. So if you're looking for a place to start, his book is $9.99. It is only available that I have found on Apple Books, um, but this should give you every tool that you need to to begin your migration and if you have any questions concerns sarcastic remarks now that i have uh come off of sharing i'm looking over the chat but please uh let me know what questions you have and with that i will turn control over to back to eric thank you chad I loved that presentation, especially the intro. I couldn't believe that you still have that screenshot. That was uh, wonderful. Also a relevant shirt from 23 years ago. Can you really um, not believe that I carry around digital crap like that for 23 years? I can believe it. You just <laughs> never cease to surprise me and amaze me, Chad. So thank you. Um, we do have a, a pretty good amount of time left for this presentation. So if anybody has any questions related to Chad's presentation, this is a great time to start throwing those out there. Um, as always, though, uh, we like to have a little bit of time at the end of this presentation just to discuss any and all things Jamf, Apple-related, any speed bumps you guys are coming up against, uh, any cool workflows that you've brought out in the last few weeks that you want to brag about. Uh, this is kind of a, uh, an open gym on that kind of thing, for lack of a better term. So um, if anybody has any questions, please feel free to throw those into the chat or take the mic over from me. I suppose I'll give some dead air so people have a chance to do that. I have a question. Beautiful. Uh, so um, we have, you know, 
uh, users on Big Sur and Monterey. And um, a lot of them are still stuck in either 11.7.1 or 11.7 or 12.4, you know. And through Jamf using the MDM commands, right, it, it just craps out, right? And um, so I'm having a hard time <laughs> uh, remotely uh, upgrading these users to the latest versions of their respective OS. Uh, so, you know, the, so the MDM command isn't working, and I, I don't know how else, other than telling the users, can you manually go and update yourself, right? Um, I, so I don't know if anyone has this. Just I was thinking about uh, just uploading the update itself through Jamf, but I don't know if that if that would work. Uh, I'm going to echo what Stephen just posted uh, in the chat about using Superman. Um, we've been implementing Superman with clients with great success. Um, it's it's a tool written by Kevin White, uh, Mac, Mac Jitsu on GitHub, and it automates a lot of that process of either, depending on the particular version of the OS they are and what credentials you have, et cetera, of either driving it through the command line or more likely what you're saying of pushing things out through the API and using the MDM commands. Now, if you're, yeah, and, <laughs> and Stephen has to give me a little bit of a jab there and say, yes, <laughs> it is in fact written in bash. Um, I expect it's a, what, 1700 lines of code. It's not going to be converted to Z shell anytime sooner. And yes, Richard, I would say it is much better than nudge. Nudge was all about how to detect what the user what the version ha the user has, what version you're expecting them to be on, and then prompting them, nagging them, nudging them, if you will, to update by themselves. Uh, Superman is all about, um, and it gives you he gives you massive amounts of control between hard counts and soft counts, hard counts and 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 uh, soft dates to be able to say I want you up to date to this version, up to and including making a jump now with uh, Monterey, sorry Ventura of being able to do an entire OS jump, not just within, as you asked uh, uh, about moving within their respective OSs to the latest version, but even moving them up to the latest OS. Um, and uh, yeah, well, well, it's it's been a, yeah. The, yeah, as as Jason is saying, I, I'm trying to apparently talk and read at the same time, not working. Um, but yeah, take a, take a look at Superman and, and what you see there. Um, I think it's going to be a very powerful tool um, and I'd be love to know what you think of it. Sure. Uh, I just found it on GitHub. So thank you so much for that suggestion. Does anybody have a better, uh, I noticed uh, asking about nudge. Um, has anybody tried both in recent history and saying one works better than the other? Well, I think our security people shut down using Superman for some reason, although I never found out why. Um, I can guess um, if you're using older version, and I don't remember exactly where the break off, but it's the particular uh, version versus Intel versus M1, right? It's somewhere right around that particular barrier where in order to, to utilize it, you cache credentials in the keychain. So you are storing use a yeah. username and password locally. It's stored in the keychain though. I mean, yeah. I have far more sensitive stuff than that in my keychain. Right. But that, that makes sense. That, that yeah. makes sense. But you make a good point, though. That it's yeah. in the keychain. Yeah. But Kevin stated that that's the reason at, at JNUC, he mentioned that that's the reason he's been uh, bumped up against by uh, uh, corporate security people. 
we're we're actually it's it's been taking a long time to get this um, fully communicated to everyone to the customers specifically, but we're about to finally roll out Nudge to several hundred Jamfro servers. So that's going to be an interesting uh, possible shit show when once that happens. I think next week, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, trying to do anything with massive amount of computers in a short short form is a tricky one. I think Mike was about to come off of uh, off of mute, so I want to. I don't want to interrupt for too long, but I do want to no, point no out both Nico and uh, Peter posted other possible uh, uh, mitigations and other security concerns. You can have. Um, you can ask Superman or delete it from the keychain when it's done. And yeah, some people consider launch daemons to be a security threat, though I consider that to be silly. Mike, you're on. I guess uh, being a lot newer, I think, imagine than uh, most of you folks, I've been following the um, Jamf, had a blog a while back, a reinstall, a clean Mac OS with one button. Is there a reason Superman is better having not experienced it at all? I have an answer. I don't know if it's a good one. Um, the, well, and it, uh, I'd have to relook at the, I, what I love about that blog post is that it's been updated every single year um, mm -hmm. to be the newer version. So uh, let me first be honest and say, I haven't seen it in the last version, but the, when I saw it, it was under the context of being able to re how do you make it so you can one easy button to yeah, wipe the machine and hand it to a new person. It wasn't about getting people up to date. Point. So yeah, but, you can use that workflow to get it up to date. Um, and I mean, this is, if you want a better understanding of how the backend code that goes into that, I think this is a great blog post uh, to start with that. Um, I think it does go through how to actually update it without erasing the computer, but it's essentially meant to be a button that someone would press and it would erase the whole computer and then reinstall the macOS version. Superman is, is just, it does a lot more. I mean, this is a blog okay. post as opposed to a tool that does do both minor and major updates. And it um, does it different ways for different Mac OS versions. And that's really the, the challenge we've had over the last five years is Apple has changed the way they've done Mac OS updates every year. So there's right. a different way to do it each time. There's different binaries we're using on the scripting side. Sometimes it's more advantageous to do an MDM command Sometimes that doesn't work. So there's just a lot of different ways to do it. Superman takes all those into account, whereas this blog post is kind of really just talking about one way to do it, which isn't really specifically just upgrading. Right, right. And, and I just personally have modified it so that it is mostly just upgrading. I never did quite yep. understand uh, or want to fully um, wipe a device just to upgrade it. But um, thank you. I'll, I'll investigate Superman going yep. forward. Uh, it does a lot too with like, so I, the, the button is, you're, if you're doing the button, it's probably just through self-service, right? That someone can click yep. it. So this exactly. will, I'll, this will force users to update, which is something you might not want to happen, but it also brings like other stuff into it, like allows the user to delay the update so many times and stuff like that. Um, so if you wanted to more force people to upgrade, this would be a good way to do it. Yeah, I, I have had a couple stragglers where I've physically had to do uh, the upgrade and because I wasn't able to um, make it actually happen automatically. Yep. Um, so this yes, will, that would be great. This will allow for more nudging and deferrals and stuff like that. 
Awesome. Well, thanks again. Um, I have a question just for inward light to macOS updates and upgrades, um, but from a different perspective where we have presented to our security team countless options, plenty of them, about how to deal with people who won't update, who are still sitting on Catalina, and we have to get, get them off. And the issue we have is our security department, our managers don't want to make a decision. All they want to do is, well, we'll just reach out to them. As like, and the issue is you've done that. You, you've reached out to them countless times. You've given them warnings. We have pop-ups going every five minutes, I think. And they've gone to the point where the user is more than okay with moving the window to the corner and then continuing the work. We, we reset it for five minutes. They're fine with moving it again. So I guess what I'm asking is a different perspective of how do you get them to finally give a decision when we're not the ones who want to make the decision? We're not, that's not our wheelhouse. We can do it, we can implement the system, but we don't make the decision. Yeah, uh, Ian, it's funny you asked that. Um, two things that both link back to Superman for me. It was um, this day in history, a number of years ago that I was at my first uh, JAMP CCA, what was then called CCA uh, certification course. And apparently, uh, at least nobody nobody else had heard the term, but I, I maybe I coined the term whack-a-mole, where it's um, uh, the users, how quickly can I close this dialogue and get back to work? So dismissing whatever whatever you, uh, you say. Um, Superman has a feature that Kevin put in there where it will then, it, like you said, they move the window, Superman will put it right back. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, just to nag them. And then there is also then, yeah, the idea to just pull the trigger and do it. Um, we have one client where, uh, in discussing it, I, I, as we were implementing it, Hugo was uh, the main driver on it, but I was helping out with the, the Superman deployment. And we asked, what's your threshold where we just say, if you haven't done it by this point, we're just going to do it for you. And this client was very adamant that said, never. We are just going to keep nagging them and pushing them. They, We are here to be, as IT, we are here to be a resource to them. And I found that both as part of me as an IT person found that horrifying, um, but also as what I'd like to think is my more, my more Mac admin side, I liked that. I thought that was a refreshing way to go. It's about helping them use their tools to do their job. Um, now, sure. having said that, we also have one client who's, whose answer to that was very simple. After three warnings, just do it. If they haven't figured it out by then, it's on them. Yeah. So it's going to be somebody, and you don't want it to be you, somebody's going to have to be, is going to have to hold responsibility for what happens if somebody in a C-suite is in the middle of giving, and not that this has ever happened to me, no, but if somebody in a C-suite is in the middle of a presentation and their computer reboots to do an install and they get that little progress bar from the firmware um, as it's running the update, the person signs the checks just got kicked out of a meeting to potential uh, um, clients. I don't want to be that person. So find if, if you're going to go that route, find somebody that is not you that will that will take that heat. And that's that's been our push. And it's funny because we've got our security constantly breathing us like, hey, what's the status of these devices? How many Catalina are left? How many Big Sur left? It's like, we give you this report every other day. You know what the status is. You need to tell us what you want us to do. We've gone as far as saying, like, we can set up um, restricted software lists that they just automatically get dumped into or go as far as issuing a lock computer command because they were previously updated. And the response was, Great, we like all those. 
okay, so what's the decision? So we're in the same boat, and that's and that's that's. That. Oh, I'm sorry. Please, no, please. You went before me, and I apologize. <laughs> I was just to say, well, we're basically in the same boat, and we're, we're uh, what we're kicking around. Probably what we're going to implement. We start with our email campaign. We throw some pop ups at them after that, and if they don't do it after that we're going to do, we're just going to push a, a lock to them and say, you know, contact service desk. Now service desk isn't going to let you off the phone until they get you taken care of. Now we are going to make a list of our C-suite. <laughs> They're not going to be part of that, <laughs> but uh, we'll send somebody yeah. to their desk and ask them very politely. But, uh, but yeah, same sort of deal. We, we have to take a hard line after a while, I think. Yeah. We're toying with, um, implementing a possibility of our uh, users who don't comply being thrown into a special OU in the AD, which would prevent them from receiving email, maybe not completely, but you know, they'll have to use webmail instead of their default client. I, I, I was going to make a point to this is that um, this doesn't really pertain to software updates, but I had a group of users um, for one client many years ago that they kept turning off system integrity protection, they would turn off. Uh, these guys were all admins on their computers. They were developers. And I was trying to have a light touch with them as best as I could without you know, interfering with their work. But anyway, they kept on turning off SIP and um, Gatekeeper. And I didn't want those turned off. So what I did is I just made it sure made sure that those computers would fall into scope for restricted software so they wouldn't be able to open up any web browsers until they, you know, return those, uh, until they turn those uh, settings back on. And uh, then when their computers would reboot and they would run an inventory and it would take them out of scope for that smart group. Um, I actually had some pretty good success. And when their bosses uh, asked me about it, they begged back me up on it, which is, I was shocked by actually. But it seems to me like uh, sometimes you just have to use some tactics to push people into getting this stuff done because they're always going to have um, time for something bad to happen because they haven't done their updates, but they never have time to do their updates. Mm -hmm. Actually, um, SIP is another new one that we just realized. We're going through CIS benchmarks right now, and we were going through them, uh, understanding that, and we realized, oh, we do, in fact, have people disabling SIP. And our security suite was like, yeah, that's a hard no for us right away. So they're actually contemplating locking those devices. So. Yeah, I think uh, what Chad said earlier is uh, make that someone else's decision because yeah, we don't want his IT to be the ones that come down and get in trouble for that. It's like your security, that's your job. Yeah. We, we're balancing between what you tell us to do and making sure the users aren't locked out if at all possible. So unless that hammer's coming from anyone else, I don't want to be the one to bring up the hammer or bring down the hammer. Uh, Jason, I see you have your hand up. Uh, Christopher, uh, that, that sounds like my mentor all the time to me. Roger, that's not your job. Uh, <laughs> let security do that. Um, I just wanted to mention with Superman, the latest, uh, latest release using Jamf APIs to uh, get those those uh, Apple Silicon Macs to install the updates and reboot. Um, I've done limited testing, but it's worked perfectly. 
um, as that's as an alternative to having to store the password in a keychain. That's my understanding. I've just checked my scripts and there's only password I put in there is for the API account. Um, and there's several things they they recommend you can do to to mitigate the risk with that account as well. So something to consider. Hopefully you can get that past your security team. Yeah, thanks for that info. Now, does that work, Jason, with the older OSs that don't support the MDM command? Or maybe um, I'm under it, misunderstanding how the API is used. So my the way I understand it is if it's an older OS that doesn't use the API command, Superman can just do the updates without any fuss. Okay. So pre-Big Stir, I think, is the cutoff, if I understand right. Um, Gotcha. So, right. Okay. I think it's I think it's Cat, uh, Catalina and older. Um, maybe Catalina works. I don't recall, but um, it's worked ARM and Intel both so far. I think it was okay, pre cool. ten fifteen, but it, it, so it's using the software update binary at that point. I think. Yeah, yeah. That's so. Yeah. So there's mm -hmm. the cutoff where the software update binary stopped working, but then the MDM command worked. Um, and if you're using the MDM command using the API, you can do cool things like defer and things like that, which you can't actually do if you just use it through the GUI. Look at looking at the the release notes, they've they've done some interesting things to get basically to get those two uh, backend systems to work in concert to make things go smoothly. I think there's the, it, the I think the binary is doing the downloads, and the MDM is then taking the cache download and saying. I'll take care of the install if I understand it correctly. But anyway, it works. <laughs> That's, That's what matters awesome. to me. <laughs> yeah, it's something we'll definitely be looking into. I don't. I know Chad and Hugo on our team have been more part of that, so I can't really speak to how we've been doing it. I don't know, Chad, if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, I was trying to come off of mute, but apparently my button wasn't liking me. Um, yeah, the uh, and and really, I should at this point start deferring to Hugo, though I haven't seen him. I don't know if he was able to make it. Um, Hugo's really been taking the lead on it. Uh, but the the nice thing is, like I said, the 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 only downside I have to Superman right now, as it stands, is <laughs> Kevin has has been has listened to almost every feature request he's received. And um, uh, no, and so therefore, every possible feature is in there from hard counts, soft counts, dates, et cetera. So it's really kind of there's not a clear one clear path to how do I deploy this. But yes, to answer to to follow up with what Chris was saying, um, it very much is a uh, um, it leverages whichever tools it needs and has. It detects based on your architecture and your OS version, which tools to use and uses the appropriate ones, as well as bootstrap tokens and the like. Yeah, Stephen, yeah, you, you get, you, you start listening to everybody's feature requests, you get analysis paralysis, um, yeah. but uh, luckily, you know, there's always there's always the ability to refactor code. So, all right, I also have to jump. I apologize to everyone, but thank you all for coming and thank you for giving me some time. Um, I know that usually uh, Chris is or Chris and Eric are good at holding the door open. I will see you all next month. Cool. Thanks thank so you, much, Chad. Chad. That is a great great transition. That is the end of the Launchpad Virtual Mac Admin Meetup for this month. We will be looking forward to the first Friday of next month. 
Um, we're going to try really hard to keep every first Friday just so it's easy on the calendars. Um, but thank you everybody for joining. Um, as always, if anybody has any topics that they would like us to speak about, or if you'd like to be a guest presenter yourself, we are always open to that option. Um, and we do provide support to guest speakers. Um, other than that, though, thank you guys for all coming out. Um, and we look forward to seeing you again next month. Thank you for joining us today. We have new episodes on the first Friday of every month. If you'd like to join our session live, visit the link in the description to get on our mailing list. And if you're looking to get the most out of your Jamf server, visit rocketman.tech to set up a meeting with one of our Jamf experts. That's rocketman.tech.